0: Welcome to the Medical Republic, a podcast for curious GPs. I'm Penny Durham, and today I'm joined by Dr. Anne Tonkin, Chair of the Medical Board of Australia. Welcome, Dr. Tonkin. Thanks very much. So, we're talking today about notifications, and that's when someone, usually a patient or a family member, makes a complaint about an incident or some aspect of your practice. And, Dr. Tonkin, you were recently interviewed for the new podcast from APRA and the National Boards called Taking Care about the experience of receiving a notification when you're a health practitioner. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I'm told and I can well imagine that this would be one of the most stressful things that can happen during your career. I've even heard of doctors retiring early and leaving the profession. It seems to me like it would really cut to the heart of who you are. Um, Is that too dramatic? Is that overstating it? No, I don't think it is. At the moment,
1: I think that is how people feel. And as you know I, because i i mentioned it in that other podcast i have had one myself and mm. and i certainly felt pretty um upset about it i do want to try and get the message across though that there is not as much need to be as stressed as that as people think there is and in fact um notifications are becoming more and more common more and more people are getting a notification. In fact, last year, about 7% of all doctors got a notification. So it's, it's not a rare event anymore. And I think we need somehow to dial the stress down a little bit.
0: And that's, um, that's actually very high, 7%. Why do you think the number of notifications might be rising every year?
1: I'd love to know the answer to that.
0: <laughs> but my
1: theory is, well, several... Um, certainly I don't think the quality of medical practice in Australia is declining at all, and I certainly don't think that seven percent of practitioners each year are practicing suboptimally I just that's just not what the answer is I think the society is getting a little bit more focused on on consumer rights and so on which is is good in a way but does lead to uh, people expecting perfection at all times and being willing to complain if perfection doesn't eventuate. And I think it's we've made it in, inadvertently um, possibly a rod for our own backs by making it very easy to uh, submit a notification. It's an online process or a telephone process and it can be done very easily. I think in the old days when a letter was required, perhaps people would get to the stage of writing the letter and then feel better having written it and not send it. I don't actually know. This is all speculative. But um, I think that we're living in times where people complain more and we've made it easy to do that by having an online process.
0: So it's become easier to complain and there also might be a bit of a generational cultural change that's happening. Um,
1: I think that's right, yes.
0: And what is the threshold for a complaint to amount to a notification that is then passed on to the practitioner? Uh, I mean, are, are there any complaints that are so obviously lacking in merit that they're dismissed summarily? Almost, but not quite. We, we under the national law, are duty-bound to consider
1: each complaint that's brought to us as a notification. But some of them are very trivial. I've had um, one that was... I sat on a committee that saw one that had a, a complaint that the practitioner was eight minutes late. Um, I've seen heard of another one where the complaint was that the practitioner examined a child's throat and the child gagged. Um, those sorts of complaints, we are developing a system that will get them out of the system very, very quickly. And particularly, we want to get those out of the system without bothering the practitioner until the end but at the end the practitioner would get a letter to say we had a complaint but it's uh, without merit and nothing's going to happen so they don't have that period of being in limbo if you get a letter saying you've got a notification and then you have to wait for a few weeks or months for a, um, a resolution of that it that's much more stressful than I think than if you get a letter saying well we had one but it was baseless and it's gone
0: Exactly, that's what I would imagine would be the, the worst part perhaps would be the you know three months of not sleeping very well because you've got this hanging over your head even if you don't feel that you've yes. done something wrong. That's um, right
1: and that's why we're very keen to, to um, progress this system where we have um, a very quick turnaround of, the, of the, the very trivial ones.
0: The Alfred website has uh, some figures saying that more than 70% of notifications result in no further action taken. Um, that's a pretty strong majority there and, but, uh, 23% result in either a caution or restrictions on practice and less than 1% end up in it with a cancelled or suspended registration. Um, but then there are some numbers on how long the process tends to take. And I know these are just, you know, averages and arbitrary cutoffs, but, um, 40% are closed within 90 days that's still three months of anxiety for the practitioner and then the other 60% take longer?
1: Yes, mm. that that's that's right. And we're, we're working very closely with APRA, um, who are our partners in the whole process, to speed things up as much as possible. And APRA is employing more um, people in the notification space to try and keep up with the ever-increasing number. And I think it's worth noting that that number that I mentioned, so last year there were nearly... Um, uh, there were nearly 7,000, I think. Um, it's going up at about 15% per year. And it just seems to be in, it seems to be relentlessly going up. There doesn't seem to be anything that, that's tailing it off. So we have to design systems that can cope with very large numbers and in, increasing numbers, Um while being as efficient as possible and as fair as possible to the practitioner and keeping our primary focus always in mind, and that is protection of the public. So it's quite a juggling act, but we're trying very hard to come up with innovative ways of speeding things up in a safe way.
0: Mm. So I guess it's the old saying that justice delayed is justice denied, and it does still seem punitive if the doctor has done nothing wrong in roughly 70% of cases.
1: Well, I have to just correct you for a minute on that. It doesn't necessarily mean nothing was done wrongly if no further action is taken. And I think there are quite a number of cases where no further action is taken because the doctor has taken the action already. And these are the really um, reflective practitioners with a lot of insight who receive the notification and think to themselves, yeah, I didn't do that as well as I could have. And I'm going to fix it so that doesn't happen again. I'm going to get some training in it, in um, communication, or I'm going to update myself on that treatment, or something like that. Um, often the medical defence organisations have courses and help people out with that that sort of education, and they'll um, send us a response saying, "I've thought about it. This wasn't ideal." Um, I've taken these steps to improve things and I don't believe I'm a risk to the public going forward and we would generally agree with that and take no further action. So that's why it's no further action. It doesn't mean no action at all necessarily. Having said that, I think probably the majority of NF- NFAs, as we call them, no further actions, um, are relatively trivial. So probably at least 50% of those. And I would, I would... Hazard a guess that the 40% that are, that are covered off within 90 days would include all of those very trivial ones.
0: Mm. Thanks for correcting me on that. That's quite an important distinction you, you draw there. And by the way, um, there's a whole podcast in that APRA series that, that is devoted to vexatious notifications for any listeners who want to hear more about those. Um, but just to look at it briefly from the other side, what's the process like for the person who makes the complaint?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question because um, as practitioners, we tend to think about it, you know, what it's like for the practitioner, but we have some um, research going on where both practitioners and notifiers are being interviewed um, and giving us feedback on the process after they've been through it. And it's actually a very stressful process for notifiers as well, and they don't find it easy. And... Very frequently, they don't think that it's fair when they get to the end, and no further action is taken. Mm-hmm. So, um, we have to walk a very, a very fine line, recognising that our process is stressful for for the pe- both the people involved.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, upper and the board's job is to protect the public and patient safety, and that's absolutely fine and necessary. But of course, doctors are human too. They do a stressful job. They can be vulnerable and there are inherent risks in, in what they do. Can you tell me a bit about the help and support there is for practitioners who get a notification? Yes. The the medical board provides about
1: roughly $2 million a year to the doctor's health services, and they now, um, are present in every state and territory now, and I very strongly suggest to anyone who, who receives a notification uh, that that would be your first stop, unless you have a very you know a trusted gp you've known for a long time you can go and see them or you know some people have their own um psychologist on an ongoing basis or counselor or whatever but for some for anyone who doesn't already have a resource like that the doctor's health services are extremely well placed to provide support and the board was was very is very committed to continuing to support that system
0: if a doctor you know might not suffer only anxiety during the process, but might also have their confidence damaged as they continue to practice after the process is wrapped up. Um, You know, providing they're not in the worst category of notifications, in which case, obviously, a bit more self-awareness would be a good thing. Um, But otherwise, a doctor who is always second-guessing themselves, surely that isn't uh, optimal for patients or the health system either.
1: No, there is a risk that that some doctors become defensive and over-investigate people and over-treat people. Um, I must say, when I had mine, I wasn't yet involved in medical regulation and I didn't react that way. I was fairly clear that what I'd done, um, the treatment that, that I'd given was within the current guidelines at the time and that the notification was, was I guess, um, misconceived and didn't threaten my sense of having done the right thing. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that I want to try and, and turn down the, that level of stress and make this a more regarded as a more commonplace uh, event um, because most of them, for most of them, there is no reason for people to start second-guessing their own capacity
0: it's probably going to be take quite a change for people not to find this, uh, you know, a punitive process. What's um, I know, APRA and the boards are listening to doctors and getting them to speak out more about the experience. Uh, does do they have any ideas about how to protect the public without putting doctors through such a, a lengthy process? Um, are you staffing up at all to deal with the increased numbers?
1: Yes, the, the notifications area of APRA, which that's the the body that does all the, all the work and the board makes the decisions, um, putting the papers in front of the board is a time-consuming process and they are staffing up to, to make that uh, happen more quickly. We're also, just in the last um, year or so, we've been working on a system where we work like a triage nursing in, in an emergency department. Um, we have clinical advisors, so we have doctors employed by ARPRA. Who at the moment are looking at each new notification within forty-eight hours of it arriving, and regat that, giving us a, a rating of clinical risk. And the vast majority of them are very low clinical risk. Um, the very high ones then go to a committee early and go into investigation early and and uh, uh, sped through that process because there is a big risk. The very low ones, which are the, as I said, the vast majority. We are trying to get those turned around very quickly to a committee and then out again and then a letter off to the notifier and the practitioner within a few weeks. At this point, um, I'm not sure what the current numbers are on, on how quickly we're turning that around, but we're developing that process at the moment so that the first thing the practitioner knows about it is the letter saying it was there and it's gone. And I talked about that earlier, but if you... Can, if we can manage that for the very low level ones, then there isn't that limbo time, and mm. the stress appears to be in the limbo time. If there isn't a limbo time, then that will reduce the stress, I'm hoping. And we, we've made quite a, a, a big move towards that. We've got a national committee now that meets six times a week um, by video conference, and we're we're uh, turning around some of these very low-level ones very quickly now. So I, I think people will start to see uh, that the process is going to speed up. And quite a number of people may find themselves getting a letter saying there was a notification, but it's gone. There was nothing in it.
0: That sounds like a lot of sleepless nights spared um, for doctors. Yes, yes, I'm, we I don't certainly know, hope I don't so. Know, I don't know about you, but my um, my 3am brain is not very good at keeping things in perspective.
1: No, it, it's very difficult. I think it, it, you're not alone in that. I'd love to get a message out to the public at, to say, you know, we only want to hear about things if there is a risk to the public going forward, not just because something bad happened to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, this 15% increasing all every year on year is just almost unmanageable right. and it's I, I'm not quite sure how we can do that, but it, that's something for ARPA and the board to think about, I guess, mm. public, um, you know, education campaign to say, yes, we want to hear about doctors who you think pose a risk, risk to the public, but we don't want to know if they're eight minutes late.
0: Finally, Dr Tonkin, is there any other advice that you would offer for practitioners who are going through this?
1: Yes, I, I think keeping it in perspective is the, the key thing. Um, regarding it as... A relatively commonplace event that happens to a lot of people every year is important. Having confidence in your own decision making if you are sure that you've done the right thing um, is important and knowing that clinicians are going to be looking at your notification very early on and that the committee that makes decisions is going to consist of a majority of doctors uh, with some community members because I think there is some concern amongst the the profession that it's faceless bureaucrats making all the decisions and that's that's actually not the case at all i think keeping all of that in perspective um trusting the board to a degree to make sensible decisions um and particularly importantly talking to someone about it not keeping it bottled up because the 3am brain i think (laughs) thrives on on bottled up things and if you've talked about it with somebody, you've laid it out in front of them and they say to you, Look, I really don't think you've got anything to worry about. Um, you know, that helps quite a bit. And that's why destigmatizing the the, the existence of notifications I think is is really important so that people are willing to talk about it. You know, you could go to your practice meeting, um, if you have a regular practice meeting and say you know, everybody goes around what's new and you say well I've got this notification what do you all think um, explain the case to them and they'll probably all say I don't think you've got anything to worry about, you've done the right thing there and I think if we could get into um, a situation where people dealt with it in that way rather than oh this is a catastrophe, this is you know going to be the end of my career when that's extremely unlikely and the people who for whom that's true usually know what's happened and know that something really very bad has happened you know i think if we could get it in perspective and destigmatise it and people be willing to talk about it with their colleagues and and with their health um, providers that will go a long way towards making people
0: feel less stressed great advice dr Anne tonkin thanks very much for coming on the podcast it's been really nice chatting with you thank you my
1: pleasure